So kick off your shoes, relax your feet, and let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Crystal. What's good with you? You know, just trying to deal with fall sneaking up on us all of a sudden, like, what the hell? I'm not mad at it. I've enjoyed the decreased temperatures. I just need no fires. Oh, yes. Please stop the fires. But also, I need some more heat. Not in a fire situation, but like just in general heat. So, yes. Warmth is good. Warmth is good. I'm not a fall person, but I will suggest y'all try out teaswithmeaning.org's new fall tea blends those are bomb as fuck so shout out to camila we drinking it she ain't paying us for it but we do love it good yes but the new fall blends are off the off i was about to say off the chain and i was just like bruh you are hella old (laughs) so go check that out they're good that's all i think they're hella good well yeah what else is going on with you not much for me. I'm still in quarter clothes, girl. You know, we a public company, so I'm not burning the the midnight oil anymore, so that's good. Oh, I've been hanging out with my brother, visiting me from Nashville for the last week, so we've been chopping it up and kicking it. Shout out. Come to on, brother. Mama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Tis the season, almost. Speaking of, tis is also the season for remakes, I suppose. i I know there's tons of original scripts, especially by people of color, lingering around out there. I've seen stuff on Twitter. Like, people are out here making shit, creating shit. But for some reason, these studios want to keep remaking things that we already liked 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I.e., there's a remake of The Craft. What? Um, Yes, and little... The little girl from Greenleaf, I'm not sure what her name is. She's starring as the sole black character, of course, because there can only be one. Mm-hmm. Only one. I'm not excited about that. From what I understand, they did not include Rachel True at all in the process of remaking this movie. So, boo rude. to that. Hella rude. Secondly, they are remaking another one of my favorite movies, which is The Witches. You remember that Halloween movie with Angelica yes, Houston? Mm-hmm. Yes. They're remaking remaking that with Anne Hathaway and also Octavia Spencer. But again, I'm just like, for why? Is there nothing original that can be made? Like, what the hell? They getting lazy. Super lazy. And I get it when you're doing like box office hits like Fast and Furious 22. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You You make what makes money. But these movies came out years ago and I don't believe they were box off ever box office hits. They're more like cult classics. So right. I just, if any of you guys have any information on how these decisions were made or why they were made, please hit us up on social media and give us your insight. Cause I am all kinds of confused. <laughs> I am going to watch the witches one though. I'm going to watch. Are you? 
I hear the little boy that turned into a rat is black this time. I don't like know. Mouse about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes there's like, yo, we be shouting for diversity, but y'all be doing diversity in the wrong. I don't want him to be a mouse. Right. That's like, not exactly what I was asking for. <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> but okay. But again, we won't know until we see it. I might have to hate watch it. I just it's one of my favorite, favorite movies. I don't know why, but I just love that movie. And I just really hope y'all don't fuck this up. And I feel like you're going to. So whatever. Time will tell, my man. Let's get into Lovecraft, because that's what we're here for. Yes, it is. We are nearing the end of the season. We are on episode eight. So I believe there's two more episodes left. And we've been asking, how are they going to wrap this up? And I feel like the Sandman at the Apollo is coming out. They're trying to wrap this shit up real quick. Like all of a sudden, (laughs) things are getting wrapped up tight. I'm like, wow, already? Right. So episode eight was titled Jigabobo, which I guess is the play on Jigaboo. So we kind of had an idea that this was going to have something to do with characters because Jigaboo and also Bobo, who we now know is Emmett Till's nickname. Yeah. How did this start? Man, we opened up this scene with tons of people in the streets. At first, I was confused. You hear cops threatening to shut the area down. There's a bunch of people in line, and we realize they're basically in a processional attending Emmett Till's funeral. And we see Dee. She looks so sad. And she made this comment where she says, what's that smell? And I just imagined it being a hot summer day. She's smelling sweat and death in the air. We also see Tick and Letty. And Tick is all attentive, asking her if she, like, needs a minute, because this might be a while. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what does Tick know that we don't know? Because he's giving her hella attention in these moments. Mm-hmm. Montrose has a little bit of water that he got from everybody in those cute little white cups. He offers Letty sub. Tick is like, you can have mine. And we see Dee break down in tears as she looks at Bobo's photo. And I'm just like, man, how old is she? She's only, like, what, 13, maybe? Yeah, I think she, because Emmett Till was 14 when he was murdered. So I think she's probably around 13, 14 years old. Yeah, this was intense for me. It was very intense. And also the Cruel Summer song was playing, which was a little bit interesting. It's a great song and it definitely was a Cruel Summer. But the beat of the song is a little upbeat. So that kind of caught me off guard. But as soon as I saw all those people, I knew instantly this was going to be Emmett Till's funeral because I knew... Like the last episode, they were saying when Bobo gets back. And I was like, man, when are we going to find out that Bobo never makes it back home alive? Yeah, you're right. It was a lot of black folk outside. The camera pans away and we see it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people outside of the Kojic church. I was thinking about D. I was like, I've been there. That trauma of losing people, friends as a child. For me, it was like gun violence, but still trying to make sense of the world that somebody who was here just a few weeks ago is no longer here at such a young age. And it had to be even more jarring when you think about how he was killed. He was murdered by racists. That is a whole nother level. And imagine being 14 and Dee appears to be very sheltered. Right. She doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's out in the world dealing with the realities of racism and things like that. They are living pretty well. And her 
family is pretty insulated. She's sheltered. This is a shock to her system. And she's kind of doing it alone because her mom hasn't made it back. We still don't know where Hippolyta is. And we actually overhear the adults talking about how Dee needs to know what happened, right? Tick takes Letty off and she's like, we need to tell her. Like, the girl got to know. She already seen enough. She's been through a lot. She can handle it. And Tick's like, but she just lost her best friend. And I loved when Letty corrected him and was like, no, he was murdered. Thank you. Let's call it what it is. So she's like, waiting really serves no purpose. Yeah. So with Letty, I think that oftentimes we shield things from our children that they are ready to deal with. Dee is obviously a very intelligent young girl and not to say that it won't harm her and it won't, she won't be emotional, but it's definitely information that she needs to know. And I think this is very illustrative of how black folks work with trying to protect one another. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. we tend to not give the complete picture, not because we're trying to be mean, but like we're trying to protect. This is a situation where it's like you should let her know what's going on. All of these secrets. There's too many secrets for no reason. Everybody should be looped in. I'm also wondering, how does Tick know that Letty is pregnant? Because he's acting like he knows she's pregnant. Because he is waiting on her. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did he like... Is he like looking at her ovulation calendar? Like what's going on? Because she knows that she's pregnant. She doesn't know that he knows because her responses are, why do you keep asking me if I need to sit down? But this scene was, it was a lot. I'm glad we didn't have to actually see Emmett's body. We do know that Mamie, Emmett's mom, wanted it to be an open casket because she wanted everybody to see what happened and the actual realities and the tragedies of racism. And so that was probably even a larger reason why it smelled. It was an open Catholic funeral on a hot Chicago summer day. Yep. The fact that we opened with this, I was like, oh, this episode is going to be deep. Okay. Where is, where's Diana? Exactly. I'm like, y'all out here having y'all adult conversation. Diana done went and tried to find solace on her own. She said, forget y'all. And they turn around and realize she's missing. And then we cut to this. Well, she's not there. And then we cut to the title scene. And I'm like, y'all, what is this going to be about? Yeah, because what is this whole thing with a ribbon? I don't know if that bow was supposed to be. the. I'm guessing that was the bow that Emmett wore, the tie. Because he always had that, that bowler tie on in every photo. And every time we saw him. So we know that. But the rest of it. Didn't make sense, but I was like, I know this is going to be something about Jigaboo. I saw images of the caricatures in the, like the background of the photo that was shown, but the ribbon and bow did absolutely stand out to me. It's for as grown as adults. How y'all lose one kid? You had one job and that was to watch Diana. No one is there to protect her. She has these four people who are in charge of watching over her. And all of them are too self-involved. And I get it, too. You know, it's a funeral. It's jarring. It's a lot going on. I'm already like, poor D. I don't even know what's going on. But I'm like, she has to be feeling everything. And the grownups around her are fighting and arguing. And she just left to her own devices. I also thought, y'all not really whispering. She can hear everything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can hear everything you're saying. Okay. 
So they split up. Ruby says she's going to stay in line in case Diana comes back there. Montrose leaves. He ends up going to, I think, Earl's garage. And then Tick says that he's going to look for her at the five and dime. And Letty basically is like, well, I'm going to go look for her too. Then we see D standing at the street in front of one of the, the emptier stores. It's like an arcade or an amusement center looking through the window. I hear these pinball machines going in the background. And then these two girls walk out the store. They're eating ice cream. And they look so cute. They wave at her. And Dee, just in her rage and anger, throws rocks at them. I imagine that her ad lib would have been, kick rocks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then she yells at them like, there is nothing to laugh about. And I'm like, she is so right. Like, how are y'all not privy to what's happening two blocks away? So D starts walking down or walking towards an alley. And then we hear the police sirens coming. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, who is this? She takes a pause. She's trying to walk off slowly. And then we see one of our least favorite characters, Captain Lancaster, and one of his goonies enter the scene. So before so before this even took place, I was like, this is about to be some shit. Because we also noticed that all these businesses are closed. My, the whole south side of Chicago is closed because everybody's black. And this is a day off because everybody's going to this funeral. This is a very sad occasion. So I was like, these two little girls are not real. Because nothing's open. And nobody is out walking the streets except for D. So I'm instantly scared. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And then when Captain Frankenstein rolled up, like that visceral fear that like, oh shit, the police. And I'm thinking D is so sheltered because nobody gave her the black person's code on how to deal with the police. Because you can tell she immediately walks into a dark alley. That is a no-no. Right. When the police are anywhere near you, you're like, nah, my nigga, we staying in public. We about to be out on the street. Right. If you're going to say something to me, you're going to say it right here out in the open in the middle of the street. She turns and walks down the alley. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. No one had conversations with Dee. They've been trying to treat her like a baby. Like she was never going to have to go out into this segregated world. I never even thought about that. That's good. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the one thing you don't do. Yeah, I know. Yes, two things you can do when you deal with the police. You deal with them out in the open or you run. Either or. Both are dangerous. Both are dangerous. <laughs> but going into a dark alley. Not an option. Nope. He calls her by her name and he has her comic in hand, asks her, is this hers? And then he starts asking her all these questions about Hippolyta. What's your mother's name? And I didn't really like this interaction because she says her mom's name is Hippolyta and that other whack officer is like, oh, these niggers and their African names. And I'm like, here we go. But I, that was a thing, though, because I even coming up, I feel like Ashley is so plain Jane because we didn't want it to be too black mm-hmm. for it to impact my life later on in life. Crystal as well, um, of so- course. So we know where our parents <laughs> stood on that line. Okay. <laughs> So then he just asked her outright, like, do you know about magic? And this was funny to me, which further proves that she's sheltered. She's like, uh, like in fantasy books? Nah, bruh. She don't know. So she tries to run off. The other officer trips her. He drags her back. And while this is happening or he's asking all these questions, I saw him drawing like, I don't know. It looked like a star to me on the ground. I'm like, why is this even important? Then. Captain Lancaster starts speaking in that language of Adam. I have no idea what he said. I said, you better speak in tongues. I'm assuming he's casting a spell. Girl, when he 
coughed up that loogie of spit and put it on her head, I was absolutely disgusted. But then I'm like, what spell did he just cast on her? Girl, I was in a rage. Like, first of all, fuck 12 automatically. Secondly, you are now harassing a little black girl. That's problem number two. Problem number three, you didn't say something racist about. First of all, them your people. Don't y'all claim the Greeks and the Romans created everything? That's that's the lie you've been telling us, right? So you don't know Hippolyta sounds Greek? Dumbass. That's the third number three. <laughs> I'm just like so mad. And then when he spit that loogie, like we automatically know. Black folks know. It's a lot of shit you can do to be disrespectful, but it ain't too much okay. more disrespectful than spit. Okay. So the fact that he spit on her and also when they dragged her, I just was like, where are the grownups? This little girl is being victimized by the police. And the other thing that pissed me off was in addition to all the privilege that these white people have, why do they also have magic? Like it just seems so unfair that they have the use of these spells and whatever to further victimize people. Like it's not enough that you victimize people via weird ass ideologies of supremacy that like don't even make sense and you already have the power so you further assume more like when is enough enough she continues down the same path and then we see the cream of wheat advertisement that guy's eyes move and kind of follow her down the alleyway and I said I don't know what he just said or what it's going to do but now the eyes on the advertisement are moving this is gonna be interesting it, weren't there like bees or something coming out of her mouth or they were like i don't know caterpillars maggots and flies or something that were stirred up on the ground through all of that i have no idea what that had to do with anything that's magic yeah and and now we also know that the people who were at the observatory or whatever that's in kansas where the portals were opened were definitely in cahoots with Captain Lancaster because how else would he know? How else would he get holds of her of her exactly. comic book? My questions are like, how does he know the language of Adam? Because Christina has said several times before that he has not been initiated into a lodge. So like, how is he getting this information? Is it the same way Christina knows? Because I mean, she wasn't initiated. Also, why isn't the whole Freeman family strapped up spiritually? Period. I don't understand You've got this child walking around this earth totally physically vulnerable and she's spiritually vulnerable to the point where somebody was able to put some kind of spell on her. I don't I just don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just everyone's caught up in their own little mini series of what's going on in their lives. And nobody's thought like, hey, maybe we should go to the library and get a, a random book of spells or go talk to the tarot reader down the street or whatever. But like. You don't have no Florida water on you. You don't have no high John Conqueror. You don't have you don't keep no chalk on you. You don't have no no um third eye or chicken feet. None of that. None of that. You're right. That's actually a good call out, considering especially how spirituality religion plays a huge part in, in black people's lives. Like this could have been something, even if you just started quoting scripture. Yeah, ain't though I walked through the valley. Something. I just was like You've protected the house physically, but you have not protected the people. And that cream of wheat, guys, eyes moving. First of all, I love cream of wheat. I'm not eating that shit for a minute. Cream of wheat is bomb, but I can't (laughs) eat that shit for a minute. 
God. So now we're at Letty's house. And so she's looking for D. So she's storming all through the house, calling out D, checking for her, going up the stairs. There's a woman in her living room in a goldish chair, yellow chair. Yes, chair. And she looks Asian. So we're like, is it Gia? And it's Gia. Like, first of all, ma'am, how did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. Listen. That part. I said, how she know where to go? And also, Letty needs to have a talk with her um, lodgers, because y'all don't just be letting people in my house. (laughs) Period. (laughs) It's too much going on out here in these streets for you to be letting (laughs) random ass people. First of all, she's not black. So that... Like, I don't know if she's an ally. Thank you. Like, what are y'all doing? And I'm just like, here she come to start some shit. She do have a cute little bob, though. Come on for the mix up in the hair. And Letty's like, are you looking for a room? And she's like, nah, I'm looking for Atticus. Oh, Lord. So she then rolled up to Letty's house on some Barbara Dishes Shirley shit. And that's a no-no. Meanwhile, while all this is happening, Tick is in the cemetery about to meet up with Christina. And now we know why he was looking so sketch when they all decided to split off and go look for D because he kept looking at his watch like he had somewhere to be. As usual, in typical Christina fashion, she has an attitude about waiting. And it looks like we're in a mausoleum where her family or their family is buried. My dude, you supposed to be looking for D. Right? What could have been more important to He actually is asking her to teach him how to cast a spell. And she's like, you have my card. Like, you've been able to reach me for a minute. Like, why now? And his response is, because it's my birthright. And I'm like, wrong answer. And then she comes back with her typical snarky self and says, you don't have enough whiteness in you to even sell that entitlement. And I was like, so entitlement only comes with whiteness now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not feeling that. But I think she's able to sense his desperation and he does come off desperate. So I'm thinking at this point, is this about protection? Does he want to be able to cast some type of protection spell? Because he didn't specifically ask for the the spell of invulnerability, which is what I would have just went directly with. Don't teach me how to cast a spell. Teach me how to get the spell of invulnerability. Boom. She also digs again, says she's managed. She's surprised that he managed to be able to even find Titus's pages. Like, you got everything you need. And then Tig basically tells her, like, look, I got this key to the Ori. You teach me how to cast a spell. You can have this. And I'm like, this is actually a halfway decent barter because that little time machine don't work no more. (laughs) Anyway, she can have the key unless there's Mm -hmm. another one that we don't know about. Or unless she knows how to fix it. There is that because she seems to be very smart. Then she tells him, which I thought was really important. And I think it's kind of what we've also been saying. She says that it's it's more about having energy, intent, and a body than it is about the incantation or just Mm -hmm. using the words. She goes on to say that this is perfect alignment and this is how you're able to upset the balance of nature without basically creating a disaster. And I was like, ooh, she was in here dropping knowledge for her rude self. 
Christina is everything that I cannot stand about the white women that I don't fuck with. Like she literally is, she represents all the worst parts of entitled white women. Cause she's just like, she acts like her time is the only important time. First of all, it is Emmett Till's funeral today. Calm down. My cousin is missing. It's tons of other shit I could be doing. I'm helping you out. I'm doing you a favor. Cause I don't already went to the other side, sis. So calm your nerves. Cause you can't do this without me. I don't know. I just feel like I just can't stand her. And I also liked what they were, what she was saying. Cause like you said, we've been saying like, it's more than just a spell. I've been saying all along, like you are the power. You are the spell. Like fuck these white people. Like he really has no need for Christina to this point. I haven't seen anything that Christina has done for him that he needed her for but he doesn't realize or they don't realize that they have the power and I don't understand why because we saw Letty do it we saw Letty literally exercise Hiram okay she did that with her words her own words she wasn't reading a spell she wasn't you know I'm just like come on like get it together also she was like implying that he's less intelligent than all the other men who've tried before and I'm like why because he's black if anything, he's proven that he's more intelligent all, than all of them. And the irony of it is you actually need him. So he. Yeah. So she still, but she still knows that she can play him like that or she can play them. Cause I also think she's playing Letty like that. I think she's playing Ruby like that. She is the underdog in this scenario, but because of the power structure in this world that we live in, she is still holding this falsehood that, no, you need me. And it's like, no, 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 boo-boo. <laughs> Actually, you need me. And they're not able to realize it. And I think it's just because it's a symptom of just living in a world where you have been taught to think that you do need white people. This is America. It's, this is America. And so she draws a symbol in the dust on one of the mausoleum covers and she says it's a protection symbol she advises him to trace it around the location that he's going to cast a spell in so he asks her do i do it in chalk do i do it in she's like chalk or blood either or is better than dust he gives her the key she wishes him luck she calls him her cousin and i'm like now you trying to act like cousin like girl whatever as she's leaving tick asks what's going to happen on the autumnal equinox or equinox and Christina freezes like she's stuck in her tracks like what huh what you what you said about that she kind of loses herself for a minute but then she gathers herself and she turns back around in her like snarky ass way and she's like I'm going to achieve what no one else in the order could immortality I'm with you I'm okay now I'm wondering if the symbol that she's drawing is really a protection symbol at all yeah, I just because I don't trust her, I'm like, this symbol could have been anything. We know she knows more than Tick, and everything he knows, he taught himself. So, could she be I playing she, him? How would he? Yes, know? and also when she know? drew that symbol, I recognize that's the same symbol that was on that rock that she had Ruby plant in Captain Frankenstein's office. So, that to me is like, oh, there's something wrong. Because, why would you give Captain Lancaster? a protection you wouldn't you wouldn't and if that's the same symbol that's not a protection symbol i don't know what it is but it's definitely not protection 
And if it and it is a protection symbol, all the encounters you've had with Ruby, Letty, and Tick, how come you ain't never taught them this before? I feel like something happened when he went through that portal, and that's how he knows about the the equinox. I think the other interesting thing that I found is that mausoleums, oh, this is how rich white people do it because they don't want to even have to mingle with other people, not even the lesser white people, even to go visit the dead. Like this is how far they are willing to go to be separate, to be segregated. So now we're at Uncle Daddy George's and Hippolytus. D storms into the house after her encounter with Captain Lancaster. Montrose is there, of course. He just being an uncle. Hey, girl, where you been? We look for you. Bruh, this is a hard day. Like, why are you coming at her like that? And she's like, you not my daddy? Because that's classic black, like black kids will tell you real quick that they, you are not their mama or their daddy. Okay. She said, I ain't got to tell you nothing. You are not my daddy. My daddy is dead. I'm like, oh, and she was like, speaking of dead parents, what about my mama? Is my mama dead? Listen, this this proves that she heard all that they was talking about. She like, y'all got the answers. You know something? Just tell just me. Tell me. Montrose gonna lie to her, talk about she on a guide trip. She is like, she is not on no guide trip. Why would I even believe you? First of all, you lied to my mama about what happened to my daddy. So why would I trust that you're telling me the truth? No one's telling me the truth. She also says like, my mama would have checked in by now, and that and that is a very good point. We know that Hippolyta has been gone for a week. She has not checked in with her child. Something is wrong. Yep. She told him to stop fucking lying to her. When he, his face, it was a split second that he was about to like beat her ass. And then he had to pull himself in and like, wait a minute. She's a girl. I'm also trying to be better and do better. I had already messed up my own son. I cannot continue to do this. I'm trying to be softer. I had all this glitter thrown on me a few weeks ago. And I just need to be a better person. <laughs> and I hope he was like, she got a point. I don't got no truth to tell her. Let me let her have her moment. So she goes into the bathroom because that's also another thing that girls do. When they when we storm, we storm into the room or to the bathroom. <sighs> she goes into the bathroom. She closes the door. She's trying to aggressively wash the spit off of her forehead. But it's more more than just about the spit. It's like she's trying to wash the the stain, like mental, emotional stain that it left. But she's not using no soap. And I'm like, girl, you know better. You know we use soap. Dude, got to use the soap, girl. And Montrose is outside the door trying to be a helpful uncle. And what is he saying? I forgot what he's saying there. You know, this was cute. I said, he's been having these moments where he's pouring his heart out. But he basically tells her like when he was, I think he said eight, that he lost one of his closest friends, actually his best friend, and that he thought he'd seen the worst of it, but white people just keep coming. He said they're more vicious and evil than the last time. And he says, you know, your dad and I learned early on that no matter what we do or how well we do it, that they'll always take it from us. So it doesn't have to be easy in the sense that you just give it to them, like make them work for whatever it is. And that's just 
that made me think of just all of the trauma that black people, male and female experience, the things that we have to hold in, how it shapes us when we're unable to share it. I was very proud of Montrose for being able to to leverage that moment to attempt to give her some consolation to let her know that he's been there before too and he understands yes, that it's tough. I, I'm proud of him too. I'm I'm happy to see that. I think he's learning the error of his ways because of how he dealt with Tick as a kid. And so he's trying to be softer and better. And he's giving her the game. I just feel like, bro, it's like too late. Like her best friend was just murdered barbarically. And now y'all giving her to talk about the realities of being black in this world. This is nice. This is cute. But these conversations should have been had. And We see she's put on a baseball hat and I was looking at the symbol trying to figure out which symbol it was. It turns out it's for the Chicago American Giants, so the Negro League. This further proves my point. Remember this whole whole series I've been saying, a lot of this stuff points to baseball. So we see Dee puts on a baseball hat and it's a baseball hat from the Chicago American Giants, the Negro League. And this is further proves my idea there's been a running theme throughout this whole show about baseball because of course she has the baseball hat but also if you notice her dress that she's wearing it very much looks like what female baseball players wore to play baseball like the white dress with the collar and the baseball hat and I'm like oh she about to pull a letty and she's about to go fuck some, something up right. and he's like talking to her through the door and I'm like the whole time the door has never locked so why don't you just bust in but again Montrose is trying to like respect boundaries and stuff and Dee puts on his hat and she's getting ready to climb down the fire escape and she notices a copy of Uncle Tom's cabin in their bathroom and it falls off the shelf The book falls off the shelf, but before then, the cover of the book just started changing. You know, it was like this regular black and white cover. And then one of the girls looked caricature-like, had, you know, braids, barrettes in her hair. She had this weird-looking smile. And we could see that the other girl's face or head had been bashed into the mirror. And I had no idea what it meant or what was going to come after. I just knew it was creepy. And so Montrose finally busts in the door and (laughs) Dee's gone. He picks up the book and looks at the cover cover, and it looks normal to him. So he's seeing a normal book. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now we're at William's house and Ruby is coming from Emmett's funeral. She is deep in grief. She she just looks all kinds of disheveled and sad and confused and everything. And she's so on edge that she drops the keys while she's trying to open the gate. While she does that, there's this white guy who's in a truck who's like, hey, are you supposed to be here? He assumes she's a mate. And I think this is very interesting because it's clear that this is not his neighborhood. This neighborhood is a very wealthy neighborhood. He has a working man's truck. So first of all, sir, you are here in service. You dropping off some fruit or you fixing somebody's pipes or something. But you damn sure don't have no right to be checking me. I noticed Um, that too. She can't be her usual self because she's just in such deep grief. And she's like, no, I'm not the maid. How dare you insinuate I'm the maid? When that happens, William pulls up. 
and he's like, hey, what's going on here? He de-escalates it. And I'm like, now we know that William is not William. We know it's Christina. This illustrates it to me because there is no man, no way that a actual wealthy white man would have allowed another lesser white man to check anything about his property, especially if Ruby was the maid. If Ruby was the help and he was paying this woman, he would not let anybody, especially a white man, check him at his house, period. But because Christina is a white woman, her way of handling things is like, hey, hey, guys, is everything okay? Because that would have been a very male, like centered thing. A man would have been like, who are you? And what are you doing outside my house? Okay. So I just thought they were maybe using this to not only illustrate how Ruby has become so comfortable thinking that William's house is her own. But today's experience of being at the funeral and having to come face to face with with racism and its effects and then to try to go into this white neighborhood like you could just walk in. It's like, no, no, sis, bring you back down to earth. This is the reality. You are not in Dale's body or whatever her name is. You are a black woman right now. Act accordingly. That's real. I've wondered why of all places for her to go for relief, she chose to come to Williams. Mm. It just made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I, I think there's some dialogue later that kind of put some context around it. But at this moment, I'm like, why aren't you with Letty? Like, <laughs> so after you stood in line and saw Bobo, you decided you should go to Williams as opposed to continuing to look for D. I don't understand. But that was just me. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point because it's like, I mean, part of it I I get. You've been intimate most of the times when you're grieving, like you want to be held. You want to be in a space where you feel like you're loved and you're comforted. I'm not sure that's the kind of relationship her and William slash Christina even have because we only really see them have sex occasionally. But also like you just saw the grotesque, body of a little boy that you know who was murdered by white folk and so you want to go hang with white people what where they do that at where they do that at she starts telling William like explaining how Emmett's body looked and how he looked like a monster the 21 year old white woman who said that Emmett tried to kiss her or whatever, later recanted her story like 65 years later, was never prosecuted or anything for that. So let us just be mindful that this is not something that just happened in the past. Things that happened in the past become concurrent with the present and the future. That's true. They walk inside the house. He disrobes her, gets her in the bath. There's always something about the bath. They all like taking a lot of baths. At least they bathe. They bathe. Well, we only see her bathe again. We only see the black folks. I don't know. (laughs) Y'all be coming out of skin and all kind of shit. We don't never actually see you hit no water, but whatever. And she is just crying and she's she's mourning and he's there and he's washing her back and he kisses her and she pulls away from him. And the next thing we see is Ruby's out of the tub and she takes the potion to become Hillary and they're having sex on the on the brown bed. And as they're having sex, Hillary 
is transforming back into Ruby with the skin breaking off and falling out and all. And it, this was just the nastiest sex scene I've ever seen. It was weird. It was just A-F, nasty. I said, I just, and then the noises, it was too much, too much. It's too much. It's like, first of all, this is also necrophilia. You, you're already having sex with a dead man's body. So there's that. On top of that, he's white. So there's that. So it's interracial necrophilia. And then you bust out of your skin. So you transform it into some other shit. And you're actually having sex with a white woman. This is too much. And like, I had a lot of. And that was the other thing. A lot of questions. So how is it that in this process, Ruby transformed back to herself, but William never, we didn't see William transform back to Christina. Did they take their potions at the separate, like I would imagine William had taken it or Christina had taken hers prior to, and it would have happened before, if not similarly. Ain't that why he was rushing home in the first place? Well, we are, we already know. Yeah. Well, William was already William when he popped up at the door. So apparently he had already took the potion because exactly. he's who he is. And Ruby just took her. So I was like, how long y'all been having sex that she didn't revert it back? <laughs> and, and why aren't you reverting back? And it also to me felt like this is why I can't fully trust and believe in this relationship because Ruby has been vulnerable. Ruby has poured her soul out. And now you are being even more intimate by having sex. And Ruby's true persona is having sex. But Christina's true persona isn't. Right. Christina is still hiding behind William. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not, it doesn't seem like a fair exchange. It seems like there's some weird thing going on. Shout out to the special effects department. I don't recall his name, but I know they're headed by a black man because this was the nastiest shit I ever saw, but I couldn't stop watching it because the the prosthetics and the special effects of it was so amazing how she was coming out of this skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the weirdest, sickest sex I've ever seen. Um, also, Ruby is dumb as a doorknob. Like now I'm, I'm with Letty because now I can see that Ruby is very much acting like her mother where like she's so desperate for love and attention that she is willing to continue to opt into this weird ass shit. Like no matter what they tell her, it's like, oh, I'm a white man. She's like, OK, I'm cool. Oh, um, I gave you a potion and you can transform into somebody. Oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, by the way, I'm not actually a white man. I am a white woman who uses the body of a dead white man. Oh, okay, that's cool. Like, girl. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) When will you say enough is enough? Okay. So now we're back at Letty's house and Tick is approaching Letty's house and Tick sees some shoes outside the door. He already know what's up because back in this time, black folk, we not taking shoes off before we go in the house. And he's been in Korea. So he knows that this is a tradition that people in Korea or probably Asians at large do where they take their shoes off before they go into the house. And it's like he has this instant recognition. Oh, shit. Okay. Gia's here. And he pauses like to get himself like let me get myself straight and then he walks into the dining room and he says jiha and letty seated at the table together and he looking like oh bro i should have called first okay first question how long you been here together without me and jiha like smiles at him a little bit and letty's like 
she not even looking at him. She can't even do it. Girl. Shit is about to go down. It better. Lady better whoop that trick. <laughs> Listen. Showing up at my motherfucking house. What the hell? That's why I got all these collect call charges. Because <laughs> you know she getting stuff on her phone bill. Right. You know it. Man, now we get so, back to seeing Diana. This is supposed to be her episode, right? <laughs> and she is on the train platform. She's about to catch one of these trains. And she's looking around. You see some people. And then we see two girls come up the stairs looking like a pickaninny. And the other girl just, it was weird how they walked together. Did you ever see us? Okay. And, and if it's anything like this, I'm never so watching this it. So this is very us. It was it gave me very us ish vibes from just the doppelganger concept or whatnot. The, whoever did their makeup, their outfits, everything was so on point. Like it was scary, but it also looked good. <laughs> just like what the fuck is this? So she's she's the only person that can see them. She actually asked this white man next to her, like, "Do you see this?" And he's like, "Uh, see what?" They're taunting her from afar, and we hear that creepy, st- "Who's that people at my window?" No, I'm just playing. Who's knocking on the door? Wow. Song? <laughs> mm-hmm. While everybody's trying to exit this platform to get out, girl, she starts pushing through people in this line. She's not saying excuse me. She just knew she needed to get the hell up out of there, and she made it out. And then we go back to Letty's house. Get back at so so we learned that those we now know that those characters are they're called topsy turvy. And I was gonna bring up the names of the actresses because from what I understand, again, I didn't anytime I heard the music and I saw like the, the back of black girls' heads, I was like, nah, that looks like how my mama did my hair from two through twelve. That already scares the hell out of me. Don't want to see that. Um, I didn't look, but I heard they was juking yes. and they was turf perfing and they was doing all kind of. They was hitting the Millie rocket, all kind of shit. They like, and I would have loved. So dope. I wish I wasn't such a scary cat, but I am, and so I did not see any of that. But shout out to those two actresses. I was going trying to pull up you guys Goldberg, name, Harris and Bianca Bruton. Yes, and also shout out to. I also believe um, Jamaica, who's famous for doing the choreography for tons of people like Rihanna and everyone, is also the choreographer on this. So she was responsible for the choreography. Major um, props. Yes. I loved it. Yes. Yeah. I did not see it, so I, I cannot confirm, like, but I heard that it was ball. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm-mm. And so we're back at Letty. And so here is the the moment of truth. Um, Tick is like, what are you doing here? You a goddamn succubi or a succubus. And she's like, actually, I'm a Camillo. <laughs> Get it right. In Korea, we're Camillos. And she tells Letty what all of this means. And I'm like, now you didn't even tell this man what all that meant. Now you gonna tell her? Like, what the hell? So she's explaining to Letty all of this and she justifies killing of 100 men as her nature and that the tales come out of when her lover is about to climax and um, Tick is like, and she tells him like, I know how you, I saw your future. I never saw you saw a future before. I know how you're going to die. He like, well, tell me then. That's what you came here for. How am I going to die? She um, said it don't work and like 
Like, and take his piss rightfully so. Like you didn't popped up out of the blue. Girl. First of all, you didn't you didn't tell me who and what you were when we were in a relationship. So you lied. And I'm with Tick on this because Tick was very it was very clear who Tick was. Not necessarily because he came clean, clean, but she knew who he was. She knew he was a soldier. She knew he had assisted in torturing her best friend slash girlfriend or whatever um and she came at him on this whole like i'm a monster you're a monster we're all monsters but during the course of their relationship she never came clean with who she was oh, yeah. so she was lying was she lied to him she tried to read that book yeah. like he was supposed to pick up the undertones like no ma'am you need to be explicit about this yes and Letty being a woman is picking up on his womanly energy and yeah. she's like oh this woman is here because she loves tick She's not here to like, oh, I just wanted to pass on some information. She she loves Tick. And that is an uncomfortable ass situation. Being in a, a situation with a man where there is a woman, <clears throat> trigger alert, where there is a woman who just refuses to let go. Sis, he's mine. You may have had him once, but I got him all the time. Oh, I got him all the time. Listen, like, so... Get it like it's just a very it's very awkward for lady and I'm sure it's even more awkward because she knows that she's pregnant and so she's feeling some kind of way about like having yeah a child by this man and here you have this other woman who pops up and um Letty is hot and and Tick tells her you know what then leave get that bread get that head then leave what what are you doing here go and he was like get the fuck out of here and as a matter of fact we never had what you thought we had. We weren't in love. That wasn't love. You can go. And poor Gia, her little heart is broken. I do feel slightly sorry for her because her little heart is broken. But he right. What y'all had was not love. It's like he he has now experienced true deep love with Letty. So he's able to see that what was going on with Gia was something else. Like it was puppy love. They were he was hurt. She was his first. Um and he and he was being led to believe that it was something that it wasn't. She wasn't being honest with him. Him and Letty have been almost, I don't want to say they've been brutally honest, but they've experienced a lot and they've been mostly open with each other. Um, and so he's comparing and contrasting and like, nah, what you thought we had, that ain't it. Um, but that wasn't enough for Letty. Letty is upset. She's just mad. She wants Jihad gone and she wants Tick gone too. Both y'all can go. Matter of fact, go where she going. Go together. I don't care. She's like, she doesn't understand why he's withheld that information. Be sure to stay tuned for part two. Part two. Part two.